Hey everyone, welcome to Hit the Apex Podcast. I'm Jawad as always. Thank you for joining me on this day in May. It's the 9th of May. Um, hope you've all had a good week so far. It's Thursday as well, getting to the end of the week. And it's race week as well, so... Um, while I sit here in the cold of Melbourne, the sun's going to be shining on Spain because it's the Spanish Grand Prix. It's the homecoming, I guess, for F1 because they head back to continental Europe for the first time this season. And a pretty key race, as always, on the calendar because it's the first time, I guess, we see the teams bring significant upgrade packages. They get their motorhomes back, which just makes which just make the paddock look a lot better. I know I've never been able to see them in person, but... You know, when you just see the atmosphere on the TV or just through photos and whatnot, it just looks a whole lot more like F1, like F1 should be. So, yeah, upgrades galore, I guess, for everyone. But as far as the championship's concerned as well, it's going to be a key race because we're four races down. Mercedes have had one twos in each of them so far and have a pretty healthy lead in the championship. And it was here back in testing time, um, back in February, March, that we're all like, oh, Ferrari will be the team to beat this year. And so far, they've not actually won a race. Um, And I've talked about that a bunch already. But, you know, while I said over the first few races, yeah, the pressure's not really going to be there to win as such. I guess now is the time that they've got to win that first race. Now they've brought an engine upgrade forward this weekend. Um, they were going to introduce it in Canada or something, but have brought it forward to this weekend. So, you know, we already knew that they've got their power advantage over Mercedes, so they're looking for some more power. Um, and they're going to need it because this circuit's pretty hard to overtake at, as we've seen over the past couple of years. Mercedes, the winners over the last two years as well, with Lewis Hamilton. So, Looking at some statistics, I guess, qualifying, pretty crucial because whoever's uh, been on the front row have won 25 out of 28 races, if I'm correct, um, at this circuit. So, you know, to, to win outside the front row, I guess it's a, it's a tough um, a tough bet. And it happened in 2016, but that was because both the Mercedes cars took, the, took each other out, um, Rosberg and Hamilton at the time, and Max Verstappen ended up winning that one so it's going to be a challenge it's a Mercedes fortress but it's got to be this weekend that Ferrari win if not then you know we can just console ourselves over the fact that they've probably blown this year's championship you know perhaps all that internal stuff that was going on over the off season and or towards the end of last year and in the off seasons probably cost them you know you can write headlines and just do all that sort of stuff but you know Formula One doesn't stop because Ferrari isn't winning or not going to win the championship so yeah we'll just keep moving on I guess so but they've got a they've got the opportunity they've maxed out on the soft tyre as well this weekend and that's the tyre that that was their preference during testing and they set a lot of their fastest laps on that tyre and they just look generally quite strong and now that the conditions are going to be a bit better as well hopefully they can get it in that window that their car really works like it did in Bahrain I think Bahrain was really the only time and Baku as well arguably um, that the Ferrari car seemed to be right at home so given that this is more of a, a proper circuit as some people would say 
Um, <laughs> a proper circuit, as some people would say, as far as, you know, the long, fast-flowing corners and everything. Um, probably, yeah, you know, we could see, you know, Ferrari up there and within the tyre window as well, which Lewis Hamilton even commented um, earlier on by saying, yeah, this year's tyres seem to be really hard to get into that window. And, you know, we see Haas as another team that have so far struggled and they've sort of attributed their issues to not being able to get their car in that window. And that's why they've struggled during the races. So, yeah, it's going to be a big one this weekend to see um, who really can get the best out of these upgrades that they're bringing to these car their cars and also you know how do they go with the tires because totally different conditions to testing it was cold in the middle of winter and now you know could be you know looking at 30 degrees or something on race day something like that. i haven't checked the forecast or anything but 30 degrees sound nice compared to what we're sort of going through over here so I guess with the top teams, yeah, it's a given who's going to be up there, but it's really in the midfield that the upgrades could really shake things up, which would be um, which would be exciting because so far it's been pretty close and not a lot of not not a big margin separating that fourth to ninth place in the constructors championship. So McLaren at the moment leading that ahead of Racing Point, and then some of the names that you would have thought that were up there, as I said last week, like your Renaults and your Haas team, they're a bit further down, so, you know, they're going to probably rely on some upgrades to perhaps get back that ascendancy that they had, and, you know, Haas were quick here during testing, so could they find the form that they've been looking for? It's the race pace, really, that they need, because in qualifying, they've still been pretty strong. Baku, I guess, a bit of an outlier, but I guess the big you know, most of the attention will probably be on Renault to see if um, they're going to get the results that they need because so far, despite all the expectation of them actually making a, a solid move forward, and let me remind you that the expectation was not for them to be already with the top teams. It was just to make a solid step forward from last year and actually consistently be in that top six, which, you know, they haven't done so far this season. You know, already, I can't even count the DNFs but they've already had several which have not been good and only two point scoring finishes from both their drivers in total so yeah in four races that's not what you want if for a manufacturer team and especially a team that's been looking to get back up the grid but you know I guess in the long term you know Renault might argue yeah it's about the long term and you know the slow burn will eventually pay dividends and we saw that this week. They've made some changes to their technical department. They've got some new people coming on board, a bit of a reshuffle. And the key words to take away from that was that it's for the for the 2021 end game in a way. So at the same time, you want to see them, you know, you want to see their progress straight away. But at the same time, you know, waiting for that big regulation change as well could be what plays into the hands. I mean, we saw that with Mercedes coming into 2014 as well with the big power unit overhaul, switching from, um, you know, the naturally aspirated engines to hybrid turbochargers. So, you know, Renault could be Renault could be waiting and playing the long game for that. But at the same time, they've got two really solid drivers on board. Daniel Ricciardo, race winner, made a big leap of faith coming over to Renault this year, Nico Hülkenberg, 
you know, oldest driver or most races now for a driver that's not been on the podium. So, yeah, you know, he'll probably start wondering too that, you know, am I going to get this, am I going to get this elusive podium soon and will it be with this team? So, yeah, they're going to need some good results moving forward. And out of the midfield, you'd say you'd say easily say on paper that Renault's a team with the most resources available. They're a manufacturer team, works team, everything in-house. Yet at the moment, their customer team, McLaren, who have pretty good resources themselves, are ahead. So, you know, yeah, Renault will have to get themselves ahead soon. And... McLaren, as for McLaren, you know, home race for Carlos Sainz being obviously the only Spaniard on the grid this year is going to be really exciting. Um, obviously said last week as well that unfortunately could potentially, this could potentially be the final race in Spain um, if uh, Zandvoort's to replace it next year, the Dutch Grand Prix. So we'll have to wait and see on that one. And, you know, Sainz, of course, he's had a good result here for Toro Rosso in the past. So, you know, could more points be on offer and especially for McLaren you know they've sort of quietly been chipping away um Bahrain I guess probably not the race that they had wanted uh, sorry China the race that they probably didn't want but you know did occur with two DNFs and no points but yeah they've scored points otherwise everywhere else Lando Norris a solid start to his career um keeping out of trouble and also racing pretty hard and in Bahrain against Kimi Raikkonen, that was pretty good, and then, of course, uh, trying to make that comeback on Perez at the end of the Baku Grand Prix last time out, so solid start for McLaren, building that momentum, of course, and not too long, I guess, until we see Andreas Seidel as well at a race weekend, so we saw some quotes from him on the website leading into the Spanish Grand Prix this weekend, so I'm sure his influence will start coming on board soon, and, um, it's only going to strengthen their strengthen their department, and it's a big month, uh, the month of May, I guess, for McLaren. They've got, you know, a couple of Grand Prix to contest, and then, of course, the big daddy with the Indy 500 and Fernando Alonso. So, um, yeah, they will want to get some good results this month, I guess, and, um, yeah, show that not, you know, prove their critics wrong, essentially. Um, big question mark on Racing Point. I guess so. They've been racing sort of last year's car with a few bits from 2019 on there. And obviously everyone is aware of what's happened with them, with the change in ownership, of course, and a bit more cash being injected into the team. So hopefully what they debut this weekend will be the first fully designed racing point car. Um, And where's that going to put them is the real question, because... In the past, whenever they've brought upgrades, the team formerly known as Force India, um, even though they don't spend a lot of money on development or don't have the money to spend on development, they always seem to nail their upgrades and really boost themselves up the order. So whilst they haven't had such a bad start this year, they've sort of flown under the radar a little bit. You know, Stroll's been scoring points, Perez has been in the points, and last time out in Baku had that really good result as well. Um wouldn't be surprised to see them sort of jump up to that fourth place sort of um, marker in the constructors, you know, finishing even fourth, fifth or sixth in a race, if depending on what happens in front of them. So, you know, watch this space with those guys and, you know, they potentially have the most to gain as far as the upgrades are concerned. But yeah, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. It's really exciting, you know, to see 
obviously back in continental Europe and of course you know all the upgrades coming forward and you know Alfa Romeo not really shy either as far as the budget's concerned and what kind of upgrades we can expect from them Haas you know Toro Rosso obviously in conjunction with Red Bull the only team I guess probably not really spending on development will be Williams and you know as much as I'd like to laugh at that it's it's not really funny it's just been a really dogged start to the year for them and especially for Robert Kubitzer too because he's his car you know his own his car in particular has some kind of fundamental issue which you know they're still trying to get to the bottom of whilst George Russell's car seems fine so you know you got to feel for Kubitzer in that sense given that you know he's waited this long and worked that hard to make that comeback to F1 and um, yeah he's just running around and last and uh, lapped at the moment so very sad I guess but that's the sort of state of affairs with Williams at the moment and a bit of calendar news quickly as well so it was announced uh, last night that um, the Brazilian Grand Prix will be moving uh, next year from obviously the home in Sao Paulo that it has to a new circuit in Rio and that was the Brazilian president announcing that so um, a few people have jumped on it of course and you know they've got to build a new circuit of course and it's going to be named after Ayrton Senna or something like that so um, big news there um, obviously because Interlagos the future of that venue and that race in particular has been in the headlines for a couple of years now and of course a lot of people coming out and saying that given that the safety fears that they have you know obviously with um, teams being held at gunpoint and being robbed and that sort of stuff and even spectator safety as well has not been the best in in Sao Paulo that you know it's no it's a no-brainer if they were to lose the race but to keep it in Brazil, I guess, is good, and to see a place like Rio a lot bigger than Sao Paulo, of course, so um, we'll see how that comes, but yeah, to, if it's going to be the last race at Interlagos this year, then hopefully it's a good one. So yeah, looking forward to this weekend's Spanish Grand Prix, and a lot more to talk about, as always, on this podcast. And we had um, night racing in Perth last week with the Supercars Championship. Um, a lot of talking points to take away from that. None more so bigger than the fact that DGR Team Penske, Shell V Power Racing, whatever you want to call them, um, did their talking on the track, like Scott McLaughlin said, after the latest round of aero changes to the Ford Mustang. Um, both pole positions over the weekend went to Scott McLaughlin and then he shared a win with his teammate Fabian Coulthard so they can butcher them as much as they want um supercars but these guys will still win so that's probably you know when we look back at this season I guess depending on what the outcome is you know if it's going to be another win for the shell guys at the end of the year you can talk about how despite all these changes that they've made to slow them down or to get their car well let's not say slow them down but to get their car in line with the rest of the competition with the Commodore and the Altima it's they've still been the better team they've still had the better setups they still can make their tires work better they've adjusted to the whole linear spring scenario better than triple eight have and we've got to underline the linear spring thing because as much as people can bang on about 
you know the aero parity and all that sort of thing with the um you know change of ballast center of gravity and what they've done now with the rear wings and the the under tray the linear spring thing seems to have hurt triple eight a lot more than what you know the ford mustangs uh, aero has so you know that's probably the big thing to underline out of this and the fact that even after all these changes to bring the mustang in line with the rest of the competition it still hasn't changed uh, who's at the front so you know we had poor starts for scott mclaughlin um in both races uh but he managed to undercut jamie wincup in the first race to come back and finish on the podium wincup unfortunately not there um and it was fabian coulthard who won the first race of the weekend and Chaz Mostert finished in third despite I guess a lot of speculation this weekend about or last weekend I should say about his future um you know a lot of people saying that seat at DGR Team Penske next to McLaughlin will will be his whether he stays at Tickford I personally think that unless Tickford can start winning races again consistently and show that they're a championship force like they were in 2015 um yeah then definitely if that seat is available at Penske then uh Mostert should go for it because he's a driver who as we saw in 2015 was capable of winning a championship and then until he sadly had that accident at Bathurst which ended his season it could have easily gone down to the wire between he and teammate Mark Winterbottom. So, um, yeah, you know, Mostert sort of in that age, I guess he's a bit older than McLaughlin. So, you know, at that age where winning championships, it's a, it's a must now, you know, and Van Gisbergen's done it. He's got the monkey off the back. Uh, 2016 McLaughlin done it last year. So Mostert's that other young gun who's, you know, sort of been a front runner over the past few years in this championship along with McLaughlin and Van Gisberg and that he's the next one to to notch up a title and yeah you know I really don't see it happening at Tickford unless they sort of get their act together and you know Mostert has expressed his desire to continue on in supercars to win a championship of course and you know that sort of cuts that thought that I've always had that maybe he could go BMW GT racing full-time over the world like I was so gutted looking at the calendar this year that Le Mans again clashed with I think Darwin um, for the supercars you know if there was no clash I'm sure that Mostert could have easily been named in the BMW lineup um, for Le Mans in the GTE class so yeah um, when he had that first exposure to that M8 GTE car at uh, Daytona this year so, yeah, it'd be great to see him, obviously, doing more of that BMW GT stuff over the world and hopefully some of, some more of those GTE or GTLM, if you're an IMSA fan, um, drives ahead. But, yeah, it just depends on the calendar. But also shoring up a, a berth in supercars with a title-winning squad. So, yeah, if it would have to be DGR Team Penske. So, yeah, Mostert third in that first race. Um, moving over to the second race on the Saturday night, longer race, um, Wincup led the start, but managed to get himself undercut by McLaughlin again, um, who won the race, of course, ahead of Wincup, so a bit of a consolation podium there for Wincup, and then Cameron Waters rounding out the podium too, 
um, at the end of race 12. And I guess what was a bit, I wouldn't even call it a big controversy, but it just showed where Triple Eight are at the moment. So there was a call during race 11 for um, Wincup to be passed by Van Gisberg. And so Wincup's engineer, David Couch, he came onto the radio and said, can you let... Uh, Van Gisbergen passed so he can have a shot at Mostert for the podium. They were running fourth and fifth at the time, but Wincup gets back to him and says, look, there's not enough laps to do it. I think there was like four laps to go. So, you know, a bit of uncertainty. And even though Van Gisbergen was on the better strategy, there was just no time. So they just had to hold position and just, I guess, don't have the pace at the moment to be, to be fighting with the likes of the Fords, but at the same time, I mean, a, what do you call it, some progress there, Wink up on the podium first, podium he's had since the Grand Prix weekend, believe it or not, so yeah, they've done okay, but it's really that middle part of the season, I guess, where we've got to keep our eyes out, because Triple Eight end up doing really well, and that's last year where we saw Van Gisbergen go on that run, starting from, I think, Townsville it was, and then we go to the Bend Motorsport Park, and he did very well there, and then winning the night race in, in Sydney then, so, you know, we've got to see what happens this time on, and if <laughs> and if the Ford guys, sorry, can um, keep the momentum, then, yeah, it's really hard to see them losing the championship. Sorry about that, if you heard it, someone just randomly calling me at the time. Um, and now I've lost my train of thought. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, yeah, so that's that middle part of the year is what's going to be crucial. And if the four teams, if the four teams, well, if the main four team, uh, Penske, have their um, ascendancy at that time as well, then... Yeah, it's really hard to see this championship going elsewhere and we can't talk about making more parity changes now, can we? Because they've already had all those adjustments made. So, yeah, um, that's that, all the stuff at the front. And I guess in general, the weekend, you know, on TV, watching it was really good. Um, the A lot better lit, I guess, Barbagello Raceway was than Sydney Motorsport Park and just a lot more spectacular to, to watch on the TV. And race 12, we had some craziness as well between there was Scott Pye and Andre Heimgartner clashing at the final corner um, and that brought out the safety car and then Rick Kelly and Shane Van Gisbergen with some crazy antics on the safety car restart on the pit pit straight as well so um kelly actually saying that you know he couldn't really see van giz all he could see was lights in his mirror and didn't think it was a car so you know blaming sort of the the change of conditions on on what happened there so really goes to show you that yeah it is a big challenge for these guys who don't normally race in these nighttime conditions the fact that yeah they've had to do it this time and uh, it's been a real challenge. So overall, I guess, a success. And talk about even potentially having multiple night races on the calendar from next year. And hopefully Perth gets to keep its spot as that. You know, we all know what um, F1 thought of when they switched Bahrain to a night race. It just made it a whole lot more exciting. Whereas this time, you know, with supercars, yeah, it's sort of... Not that Perth wasn't already an exciting race as it is with the tyre degradation and seeing some incredible drives from the back of the field. Um, you know, just having it in the night time, it just makes it a bit more 
you know a bit more exciting to watch if you're going to watch it on tv and quickly as well just i think the time timing was really good too because watching it sort of watching these races in the middle of the day and given the fact that we're so if you live here on the east coast of australia we're so used to watching the majority of our motorsport at an odd hour in the in at night so you know f1 motor gp it's always uh 10 or 11 o'clock affair at night and you know a lot of our sports that we watch are at that prime time and that's sort of what supercars is trying to go for by having it in a prime time slot so it just felt a lot more enjoyable to watch at that time rather than watching it on a sunday afternoon like i could you know as much as i like supercars <laughs> to bits and i do spend my sunday afternoons watching it when it's on um just watching it in the Saturday night just seemed a lot better and it frees up your, your Sunday afternoon to do something else, you know, do something a bit more sociable perhaps. So, you know, it, a few more of those races on the calendar would be great and to especially have them in that sort of time, um, to have them in that time slot as well would be, would be pretty cool. But yeah, you know, other than that, nothing else to add on the supercars got moto gp spanish grand prix and the season so far um in 2019 so mark marquez became the first repeat winner um at jerez and you know obviously andrea davizioso and alex rins were the other winners so far this season and marquez back in the lead of the championship as well by one point over rins and the top four only separated by nine points going down to valentino rossi there in fourth so I guess consistency again is going to be the key to winning this title this year. Um, you know, you're going to have to qualify well, especially given that Marquez is near invincible at most of at the best of times. So, you know, the qualifying that Valentino Rossi had in um, in Jerez, for example, was really poor. And then you know, Maverick Vinales' teammate qualifies well, but then just has poor starts, and that what puts him back even though he was on the podium there in Hareth so um, the consistency is what's going to be good and whether you can beat Marquez on any day as well like there's going to be days you can't beat Marquez but on the days where Marquez has poor days then being able to chip away there is going to be the the real um, I guess the real method to unlocking this madness and at the moment it wouldn't be a bad bet to have Alex Rins as your Smokey for the championship, you know, Suzuki are looking consistent, um, which is great given all, you know, how many years of development they've had since they came back into the sport, and rider confidence is a big thing too, and Rins obviously off the back of his first ever win um, in MotoGP in in Texas, you know, he's at, an, uh, he's at a new level, so I wouldn't rule Rins out of winning a few more races and perhaps keeping his name up there but the thing is the season is long so whether he can sustain that will be another another question but at the moment it's looking pretty positive for the young Spaniard though less than ideal starts you've got to say for Jorge Lorenzo and Johan Zarco at their new team so Lorenzo again just nowhere during the race Johan Zarco too looks like a, a shadow of his former self it's got to be said that exciting um, character that we had on the Tech 3 Yamaha last year and the year before just doesn't seem 
to be there at the moment and you know even the KT boss of KTM has come out and said that you know Rizako's just got to do a lot better than he is at the moment so you know again another person who took a leap of faith this year to go to a factory team like Daniel Ricciardo and the results so far not coming and that's not for a lack of KTM actually being a developing because they've been developing the last couple of years to try and get back forward we saw of course Paul Espargaro with that result in um, Valencia at the end of last year their first podium and Paul, Paul himself I guess has been you know consistently strong and obviously he's had a couple of years on that bike to um, get used to it but yeah Zarco obviously someone who's uh, being paid a lot of money and of course was a big name signing to that team has got to step it up so yeah we'll have to wait and see how that progresses and then Lorenzo you can't really say any more about Lorenzo because he is you know two-time MotoGP world champion of course his tenure at Ducati wasn't as um, fruitful as it should have been even though after he announced he was leaving Ducati he started winning most of the races last year so We'll just have to wait and see how that one pans out. And another person under pressure is Danilo Petrucci, of course, who took over from Lorenzo at the factory Ducati team. Um, I mean, he's been in the top six every race so far this year, but I think for that bike, you've got to be getting better results, particularly if you've got someone like Jack Miller who was overlooked for um, the factory gig this year. Um, and now he's got the um, he's got the current spec bike at Pramac, and he's already been on the podium this year, whereas Petrucci ha- Petrucci hasn't, and has been getting consistent finishes too, apart from a couple of DNFs in there. But you know, Qatar was not his fault for the DNF, so we'll leave that one at that. So yeah, it's been an interesting year so far in MotoGP. Um, Argentina and Jerez, they were classic, I guess, Mark Marquez-style victories, and that's sort of what you've got to worry about as well, that you don't want the year to sort of run away with Marquez like it has. You want it to go down to the wire. You want Davizioso or Alex Rins or Valentino Rossi, be it, to sustain a challenge. And I guess when you're talking about Rossi, you've got to... You've just got to be consistent and you've got to start actually getting those wins under the belt because, you know, he hasn't won since Assen a couple of years ago now. And, you know, qualifying as well as we saw over the weekend was just atrocious. So if that's going to be what their form's going to be like, then you can rule them out of title contention. But at the moment when it's still only nine points um, separating them from the top, it's not too far. So... Yeah, next time out in in Mugello, I think, yeah, it is Mugello, uh, Rossi's home race even, so a special result will have to come, I guess, for them to to sort of put themselves in that uh, championship contention properly, so we'll wait and see what happens, but yeah, it's nothing nothing like another classic season of MotoGP to look forward to. So let's go globe trekking again hit the globe talk about some things going on outside of the normal f1 verse and supercars i guess um 
and mentioning Fernando Alonso earlier, we had the six hour of Spa over the weekend, the penultimate race of this WEC super season, and the Toyota number eight battled through the snow and terrible conditions that they had in Spa. Literally, it was snowing during the race as well. Um, and the number eight Toyota did win, uh, did win and deliver Toyota the manufacturer's title, of course, a race early with the Le Mans 24 hour to still come. And another win for Fernando Alonso, um, Nakajima and Sebastian Buemi as well. And I guess Alonso as well. It's a weird, someone mentioned this weird stat that all the races he's contested so far in 2019, he's actually won. So there you go. There you go. That's a good omen to have come, coming into the Indy 500 um, soon. And he'll be doing the Grand Prix of Indianapolis as well. So on the road course. So yeah, you know, looking good for old Fernando so far. And of course, his second last race in the Toyota LMP1 car, given that he's going to be um, walking away from endurance racing at the end of this season, which is um, at Le Mans. Um, good result too, I guess, uh, the SMP car, the one that Stoffel van Dorn was driving, was on the podium, so Belgian driver racing in Belgium and uh, finishing on the podium for his home race, his first race in the World Endurance Championship as well, Pastor Maldonado winning in LMP2 for his team, good result for those guys, um, so that's what you love about WEC or IMSA racing is, you know, the multi-class, the multi-class grid, and you've got GT cars in there as well, um, and just, yeah, a real mix, and quickly as well, while we're on the endurance racing thing, uh, IMSA, uh, the Penske car won over the weekend with uh, one Pablo Montoya, so good result for those guys, and Penske having a good weekend all up, because uh, Roger Penske himself was in Perth, to watch his team win both races in the supercars and then I think straight after the um, Saturday race jumped on a plane back to mid-Ohio where they were doing the the IMSA race so you know busy man is old Roger and of course with the Indy 500 this month as well it's going to be quite uh, quite an intense time for him and chasing another victory there obviously with four cars I think they they have during um, the Indy 500 race. Um, and Andrea Davizioso as well before, obviously doing well in MotoGP as always, win under his belt this year, but he's going to be trying something different. He's going to do a DTM race at Misano, so actually going to be part of a championship event that they take over to Misano because of, I guess, the tie-up that Ducati have with Audi, you know, Audi sponsorship on the bike this year. He's going to be racing one of the Audis, so good luck to him when when that comes around, and that'll be, I'm sure, uh, that'll, I'm sure, be something exciting to watch too, and, you know, seeing someone jump off two wheels and go into four-wheel racing, obviously, Valentino Rossi does it with his, uh, the Monza Rally at the end of every year, so, you know, good to see Dovi jumping into a DTM car and having a look at that. Um, and now moving to things that are not racing at all and NRL Magic Round this weekend. So the first time that we're going to see all 16 te teams play at the single venue um, up at Brisbane Suncorp Stadium, which is supposed to be the best venue in the world for rugby league. And 
I'd love to go there someday, you know, was planning on going to State of Origin this year until I found out that the tickets were sold out a couple of months ago, I'm like, damn, you're gonna have to get on that one early, so maybe for next year, you're gonna have to plan that one in advance, or even, you know, go along to a Broncos-Cowboys um, Queensland derby, obviously the Cowboys being my team, um, you know, that'd be great to watch as always, those two when they lock horns together, and speaking of the Broncos, not doing too well at the moment, that loss to the Rabbitohs last week, of course, with the former coach Wayne Bennett, um, getting one over his old team and the new coach Anthony Seabold, who's under a bit of pressure, but, you know, given the intensity of this weekend with all the games being played here at at over there at Suncorp um it's going to be you know a lot of the spotlight is going to be on Brisbane and seeing if they can actually sorry um Brisbane can actually get a good result and they're playing Manly this week and Manly even though they've had all these injuries they've just been getting the results in they're winning games and quick you know you know, you got to be, I guess, grateful or in awe of what Des Hasler's doing since coming back to that club this year. So, you know, good good on them. But yeah, you know, a few, a lot of good games on over the weekend and obviously playing all of them at Suncorp, it's going to sort of take away the home, home ground advantage that a lot of these teams have. So we could see some surprises and, you know... Gold Coast Cronulla tonight, obviously coming up first, and then you know Cowboys Rabbitohs at the end of the weekend. Storm taking on the Eels as well. Eels in in good form, and you don't expect Storm to lose two in a row either. So we'll have to see how that goes. And um, yeah, you know another good weekend of NRL should be exciting. Well, gonna wrap things up then with some NBA talk and something I haven't talked about in a while now actually and given the fact that the New York Knicks have been absolutely horrible um again nowhere near the playoffs this year I haven't really had much reason to to watch it as intensely or as profusely or whatever you want to say um as I used to but obviously because it's playoff time it's it's a lot more interesting and you know, this year it just seems a lot more mixed than it has in previous years. You know, previous years it was always a fix of Golden State and Cleveland and, you know, obviously the whole LeBron James thing moving on from Cleveland to LA and then LA not actually making the playoffs this year. So first time in, you know, ages or forever since LeBron James hasn't featured in a playoff series. So, you know, the picture as it stands today and I actually watched the Milwaukee Bucks eliminate Boston, which I'm sure a lot of people wouldn't have expected. Um, well, Milwaukee first, you know, they did claim the top seed in the Eastern Conference, but a lot of people had Boston down to um, progress through to the finals and, you know, potentially challenge Golden State, but that didn't happen. So Milwaukee winning 4-1, um, the series against Boston, potentially the final time we see Kyrie Irving in a Boston jersey, potentially could be off to the Knicks, which, you know, I'm, I'm pretty excited about if it happens. Um, but yeah, you know, we've still got a couple of locked up series across both conferences. So um, Philly and Toronto, of course, 2-3 uh, at the moment to get that final spot in the Eastern Conference Finals, which will be against 
Milwaukee, of course. I had my tip on the 76ers, of course, to, to get there. But Toronto, you know, have been strong. Second seed, of course, in the East. And, you know, pretty much have made up a, you know, have made their starting team of discards from San Antonio, obviously led by Kawhi Leonard. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Toronto can get it done tomorrow and progress. But at the same time, if Philly can get the next two, you know, we've got our own Ben Simmons going into the finals and potentially, yeah, going into the NBA finals. Over in the West, um, and a lot of people thought that this would be a lot closer, um, but the final quarter, I guess, with the game today between the Rockets and the Warriors, uh, Warriors just turned up the turn on the Jets and now they lead the series 3-2. Um, bit of concern though with Kevin Durant going down with some kind of ankle or Achilles injury towards the end of that game. So if he misses the next game, which could be the final, potentially the final game if the Warriors can seal it out, but if he misses it and they lose as a result, then we'll It'll be pretty tragic, but yeah, you know, shout out to Houston who've been doing a mega job, qualified fourth, I guess, um, if fourth seed, James Harden done an incredible job all year, and to once again miss out, I guess, um, on a shot at the finals, overall finals is going to be um, pretty sad, but when you've got a team like Golden State, you know, it's hard to it's hard to go past them, and given the strength of their roster, and then they brought... Andrew Bogut, of course, back in sort of not too long ago to as well to strengthen that roster who, you know, obviously he won a ring with them in that first year of this this new dynasty, I guess. Um, and over on the other side, Denver leading Portland 3-2. to two, So you'd hope that Denver can lock out that final um, spot, lock out that final win and get that spot in the, the Western Finals. And probably not a very inspiring matchup if it was to be Golden State and Denver or even Portland because you'd think that Golden State would be able to win it in four games um, and easily get through and I guess that's the key thing is you know the less games you play the better for the finals because you don't want to go into a seven game final series if it's going to go down to the wire and have already played another seven gamer so you know that's going to be key. Milwaukee you know will only a player had to play five games in that series against Boston, so they should be rested to come up against whoever, whether it's the 76ers or Toronto. But, um, yeah, you know, for the West, it'll be key if it is Golden State that progresses, whether it's Portland or Denver, that they get the job done quickly because Milwaukee, if they progress to the finals, you know, they're dangerous with the lineup that they've got and the Greek freak, of course, um, Giannis Antetokounmpo. I always get it wrong when I say it, but I think I got it right this time. Antetokounmpo, um, the Greek freak, yeah, you know, he could easily tear them apart. So, yeah, exciting times. The NBA Finals, as always, the playoffs. So, this is where I start paying attention again. But, you know, again, new season in October. A lot of changes as far as teams are concerned, you know the Lakers as well there's going to be a lot of attention on them over the offseason and what they do about the coaching situation and whatnot obviously Magic Johnson having resigned as well as at from his post at that team with disagreements over with the with the board and LeBron James what he wants as well what he wants as well given that he said during the 
during the middle of the previous season that he'd happily trade the entire team to get some better players. So, you know, how does that make all the other players feel when, you know, even though you've got a figure like LeBron James there, um, you know, there's no respect for the accompanying players. So, yeah, an interesting one to see play out. But, yeah, I'll talk a bit more NBA then um, as the playoffs progress, as we get into that sort of crux time of the uh, finals. So that's about it, I guess. A lot to, I guess, with the F1 to watch this weekend and pay attention to. So hopefully we get a good weekend of racing there in Barcelona. And, um, yeah, NRL Magic Round should be interesting as well other than that i think that's about it and i hope you have a great weekend guys remember to follow us on all the social media thingos that we're on facebook twitter and then listen to this podcast on spotify and itunes but um yeah thanks for tuning in and see you guys next time